Thank you, Dane. Good morning again to everybody. Good to be together, really is. What a blessing to be able to be together this morning and have warmer temperatures out there on top of that. Isn't that great? We're thankful. And uh, if you're here visiting with us this morning, we're thankful for you being here. You're a blessing to us, and we pray that your being here will be a blessing for you. As we get into God's Word, as we worship Him, as we praise Him and glorify Him, and as we study and learn more from, of His will from, for our lives through His teachings. Uh, if, you have, if you're here visiting, you've not yet filled out a visitor's card, there should be one on the back of the seat in front of you. Please fill that out and just leave it on your seat so we have a record of your presence here today. Really good to see everybody. I want us to talk about something that I think is really important this morning. We're talking about a spiritual famine in the land. A spiritual famine. As Dane read a moment ago in, in Amos chapter, 12, uh, chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, God foretold to the nation of Israel, and we're going to bring out some points that are, that are important for us to understand as to the condition of that nation at that time when God foretold this, foretold this prophecy, what was going to happen. He foretold that he would bring a famine upon Israel, but it would be a unique famine. Now, these were supposed to be God's people, God's chosen people, the people through the bloodline that, that, that raised up, were raised up and, and developed through the bloodline of Abraham, going all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God foretold that, that his seed, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as the sand of the seashore. And ultimately, it would be through that bloodline of Abraham, and then obviously through the bloodline of Israel, that God would send the Savior into the world. So these were special people, and yet God in Amos chapter 8, he tells Israel. Now this is the northern tribes of Israel. The, 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 the nation had already split after Solomon died, and King Solomon died, and so now there were basically two nations, ten tribes to the north, and they were, after that particular point in history, referred to usually as Israel or maybe even Samaria, and then the true tribes to the south were referred to as Judah. Now, occasionally there would be a general reference to the whole nation, again, under the name of Israel. But normally, you think when you see Israel after that split between the nation, uh, after that split of the nation, and so now you've got ten tribes of the north, two tribes of the south, generally when Israel is used as a designating identity, that's the ten tribes to the north. Okay, so God tells Amos, I want you to give this prophecy to the people of Israel. That part of this, this chosen people, this bloodline through which the nation, the, God would send the Savior into the world. I want you to tell them something. I'm going to send a famine on the land. And it's going to be a unique famine. It's not going to be a famine of food or a scarcity of water, but I'm going to send a spiritual famine upon the land. And specifically, there's going to be an absence of my word in the land, God says. Now, God's not going to cause this spiritual famine. The spiritual famine was really already pretty much there. But he was going to, to emphasize that. He was going to make his point saying, I'm going to remove my word from the land. 
is not talking about taking away his scriptures. He's talking about basically they're going to seek a word from me. Things are going to get to a point where they're going to need my intervention and I'm going to withhold it from them. I'm not going to give it to them. They're going to seek a prophecy and there's going to be no prophecy. They're going to seek deliverance from me and there's going to be no deliverance. So the situation would develop such that the people would look for, they would actively seek the word from God, a prophecy, a deliverance, but they would be unable to find it because God would withhold it from them. So again, as Dane read a moment ago, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Now, if we read that last part, especially verse 12, and we thought, well, it, it looks like it would be a, a worthy thing. The people are looking for the word of God. And we might compare it to people in other parts of the world at this time where they, they do not have ready access to the Bible, though they would love to have the Bible, even a part of the Bible, because they would love to read it. They long for it. But that's not the case with the people of Israel in relation to this particular prophecy. They, they have already turned away from the Bible. They've already turned away from the scriptures, from God's word. And so what God is really talking about here, there's going to come a time when they're going to want to hear from me a word of prophecy that I'm going to deliver them from their enemies. I'm going to restore them to their glory and their independence, and I'm not going to give them that word of prophecy. I'm not going to give them that deliverance. So we would wonder why would God bring about such a famine? And the answer is the people had already, had already become so disobedient they had turned so far away from God, they have, well, they, they have ignored his word basically for such a long time and thereby they had showed continual, consistent disrespect and disobedience and thereby abusing their relationship with God that he would bring this, this judgment upon them. They were going to fall as a nation. So the idea that they would seek his word again is not the idea that, oh, I wish I could have a Bible. I wish, and of course, at that time, we're only talking about the Old Testament. And all, it was all that had been written and, and perhaps not quite all of that by that time. It's not the idea, I, I really want to, I really, I'd like to have a copy. That, that's not what they were talking about. They were going to look for, long for, probably they were going to start praying. Please, God, give us deliverance. Give us a word of prophecy. What you're going to do to our enemies here, what they're doing to us, how are you going to defeat them before us? Then he said, I'm not going to give them any of that word. I'm not going to give them any of that word. Now, in, verses, in chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, Amos goes on further with God's prophecy. And he says, for surely I will command, and this is God speaking, surely I will command and will sift the house of Israel among all nations. Now that's very illustrative, vivid, I would even say kind of poetic language. What God is saying there 
is they're going to be scattered among all the nations. As grain is sifted in a sieve, we, yet not the smallest shall, grain shall fall to the ground. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword who say, and you need to understand the emphasis of this last statement. This is what those sinners that, that God says, they're all going to die by the sword who say the calamity shall not overtake us or confront us. In other words, danger ahead, an enemy that's going to rise up and, and conquer us and dispossess us from their, our land and slay a great many of us and whatever, whatever number is left living, they're going to take us away into captivity into foreign lands. Oh, there's a say that can't happen. God's not going to let that happen. We're too strong for that. Not going to happen. Well, I want to ask you this question a number of times through this particular study. Does any of that scenario sound familiar to us today in our land? Our population, our culture, if we can put it that way. And the culture is basically the soul of a nation. It's the mindset of a nation. Our culture is moving farther and farther and farther away from God. Now, that's been happening for a long time, for decades. But boy, it's like it's kicked into high gear right now. We have people in very influential circles of government and society within our culture who are pushing us quickly away from God and away from his word. We're seeing this kind of scenario developing within our own land right now. And I would say at breakneck speed. This prophecy, now, points I wanted to bring out. When this prophecy was given by Amos, and it's interesting if you go to chapter 7 in Amos, Amos says, I was not a prophet, I was not a son of a prophet. But God called him to be a prophet, to go specifically to the house of Israel and, and warn them of danger, calamity, disaster to come because of where they were right then. Now, when this prophecy was given by God through Amos, it was a time of peace for Israel. Their enemies had been defeated. It was a time of great military might for Israel. The king of Israel at that time had built a massive army. It was a time of great economic, abundant economic prosperity for the nation. Sound familiar to us today in our land? And so they took security. Their nations had been, their, their enemies had been defeated. They had this mighty army. It was economic prosperity across the land. And so they found it easy to ignore God's prophecy, God's word. Easy to ignore. Now, these are, these are not the only verses of Scripture, and this is not the only text of Scripture. This is not the only book within God's Word that speaks to this scenario. If we go to Ezekiel chapter 7, we look at verses 25 and 26. Ezekiel prophesied later than Amos. Amos is foretelling what's to come. And it would be 
a couple hundred years or so before that would actually come to be. So the people at that time, when Amos prophesies, hey, everything's hunky-dory. We got the tiger by the tail. Everything's just great. What's all this doom and disaster kind of prophecy that this guy's telling us? That's not going to happen. But they were already so far away from God. They had sunk so far into the pits of unrighteousness and ungodliness and wickedness, unfaithfulness. God says, it's coming. I'm going to bring it on you. You're going to see a day when you're going to want to hear from me, and I'm going to keep my mouth shut. But Ezekiel, prophesying later, Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 25 and 26, he says, destruction comes. They will seek peace, but there shall be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and rumor upon rumor. They will seek a vision from a prophet, a prophet of God. What's the answer? What's God's vision or what's God's prophecy? Give us the vision. But the law will perish from the priest and counsel from the elders. Again, they're not going to receive a prophecy. They're not going to receive a deliverance. The Lord is going to withhold from them. Now look at the similarity to a the similarity to a reality that had already come to pass as the psalmist wrote Psalm 74 verses 9 through 11. It says, "We do not see our signs. There is no longer any prophet, nor is there any among us who knows how long O oh God, how long will the adversary reproach? Will the enemy blaspheme your name forever? Why do you withdraw your hand, even your right hand, taken out of your bosom and destroy them? As the psalmist wrote this, there was a time when that kind of reality had already come to pass. How horrible is the very idea that we could reach such a state of ungodliness, of unfaithfulness to God by turning away from his word that he would withhold his blessings from us. We look at Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 2 and verse 9, similarly, her gates have sunk into the ground he has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the nations, meaning as Lamentations is, this prophecy is being played out, it's, it's pointing to a time when it had already taken place. The kings and her princes, they've already, the nation's been conquered. The kings and the princes have been taken out of the land and they've been put into captivity. They're in some foreign land under the rule, under the domain, under subjection to foreign governments. They're no longer ruling their land. The law, God's law, is no more because basically that nation has come to the point of ceasing to exist as a nation. Geographically, they're no longer there. The law is no more, and her prophets find no vision from the Lord. If you're in a situation where 
You don't see any way for you to correct whatever the situation is. You can't resolve whatever issue is before you. And there is nobody to turn to. You talk about hopelessness. But as Christians, we know I can always turn to God. In fact, I should always turn to God. I should always be turning to God even before things get bad, if they ever do get bad for me. I should be leaning upon God always. I should be bringing my needs to him, and I should be thanking him for all of his blessings and his deliverance from so many situations in my past life. I should be doing that constantly. But if we come to a point where God will not listen because we have sunk so far into ungodliness, unfaithfulness, into wickedness, sin, How horrible a thought that would be. But this was the case with the nation of Israel. We look a little further. In Hosea chapter 4, another of God's prophets. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Does this sound familiar? How many times are we hearing now of depraved directions being taken in our culture where you have little children And I'm not making this up. It's there. I've seen it on the news. Little children in public school settings having stories read to them by drag queens or being taken to a drag show. Teachers or administrators in public schools going into classrooms or talking to children as young as kindergarten age, asking them, do you really think you're a boy or could you maybe be a girl? Or do you really think you're a girl or could you maybe be a boy in a girl's body? These things are happening in our land right now. And a whole lot of other things that we could relate to these kinds of things. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Verse 6, Hosea chapter 4. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. It's not that they did not have the opportunity to learn God's will. They had just turned away from it. Mark was bringing out this morning, how many people do we see pass by the church building on Sunday mornings, never stopping? I remember my youngest son, when he was about five years old or so, we were driving along past the city park in that town where I was preaching at that particular time. I don't remember, maybe we were Maybe we were going to pick somebody up for services, I don't remember, but we were passing by the park and all kinds of people were out there. And in his little boy mind, he looked and he thought, a disparity there. He said, look at all these people at the park. They're not going to church. He could see it through his five-year-old eyes at that time. But we see our culture, our nation, 
drifting farther and farther and it's no longer drifting again it's like on a runaway train farther and farther away from God and people in government circles people in administrative positions of power are pushing that train down that track and we're told that it's good it's righteous well a whole lot of those prophets in Israel's day, told the people, told the king, told, told the government, oh, it's great, look at our prosperity, look at our big army, look, our enemies have been defeated. Sin was all around them, but they were telling the people, things are good. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because you have rejected knowledge. Not that it, you, you couldn't find it, you were rejected it. I also will reject you from being priest for me because you have forgotten the law of your God and I also will forget your children. Forgot the law of God? Each of these texts heightens and highlights that the people had turned away on their own from God's word. But let's look at this next one, 2 Kings Chapter 2, uh, chapter 22, and verse 8. There was a time when the high priest was doing something in the temple. And he comes across something that is a revelation to him. Now we're talking about the high priest. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. What are we talking about? I have found, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. That would be equivalent to a preacher saying, you know what, I found a Bible. Look at this. They had turned so far away from God's way, from his word, that they even lost the book of the law and did not even know that it existed. And this is the high priest. The text goes on in verse 10 through 13. Then Shaphan the scribe showed the king, King Josiah, now, he would become a reforming, a reforming king. But at this point, he was equally in the dark, as had been the high priest and everybody else, basically, in the land. Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. <laughs> a book. Notice the identity there. Just a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law, God's law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, Achiam the son of Shaphan, Achbor the son of Micaiah, Shaphan the scribe, and Isaiah the a servant of the king saying, go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah. And this is the southern kingdom concerning the words of this book that has been found. They did not even know it existed. That's how far away from God's word they had become. 
For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine us getting to a point in this country where people would say, Bible, what are you talking about? I, 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 I heard about it somewhere back, I've never seen one. Our culture is moving in that direction. Our nation is going in that direction right now, speedily. Josiah hears as, as Shaphan reads the book to him and he realizes we have really messed up. Please pray to God, ask for direction here. How incredible, how incredible. But whenever a nation puts God's word out of their mindset, they'll also put God out of their mind. How many people, if they have a Bible in their house, keep it on a bookshelf or on, maybe on a shelf in a closet, maybe they'll display it on a coffee table in front of the couch, but almost never open it up and read a single verse. But I'm not sure if a whole lot of people even have a Bible in their home anymore. How many people don't know hardly anything about the Bible? See, that's our culture right now. That's our culture. Whenever a nation puts God's word out of their mindset, they'll automatically put God out of their mind. And you know what's going to happen? Satan's going to move right in naturally and fill the void. And he's going to bring all kinds of evil and wickedness with him. All kinds. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34 still says righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. We'd better be careful that we don't become so arrogant. And I'm afraid we're already there largely. That we think, we don't need God. Remember Israel when Amos first gave this prophecy. Their enemies had been defeated. They were at peace. They had raised a mighty army. They were militarily mighty. Economically, they were extremely prosperous. But they no longer exist as a nation. And it would not be that long till they would be brought down and those who survived all of the battles would be taken into captivity. And the nation would never really resume as it had been before. This is happening within our nation right now. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Go a little bit further, beginning with verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest to them. In other words, it's obvious. We can see the fingerprints of God through the creation all around us. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made and even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. People ought to see God all around them, but they're blinded to it on purpose, by choice. They don't want to have to think about that because it'll bother their conscience. It'll be a, a nuisance to them. 
Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now let me add, it's not just whenever a nation puts the word of God out of their mindset, they'll also automatically put God out of their mind. That, that, that is true and applicable on an individual basis too. Whenever a person, whenever a home, whenever a family, they start, they start putting God's word out of their mindset, they're going to put God out of their mind. And they're going to sink deeper and deeper into unfaithfulness and unrighteousness. We go a little bit further, beginning with verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Now, what was the basic, basic message to Israel through Amos' prophecy? God's going to give you up to your enemies. God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men having their natural use of women or leaving their natural use of women burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. We see that being promoted openly, incessantly and being glorified as being good and righteous in our land right now. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And so we can get to the point where we look at, at wrong and we'll think it's right. When we look at ungodliness and we'll think it's righteous. The devil is a great deceiver. But you see, when we turn away from God's word, we open the door in our lives to receive and then to believe and then to take into practice all kinds of sinful practices. Again, sound familiar? What about this verse of scripture or this text of scripture? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, with all power signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. Truth, God's word, that they might be saved. And for this reason... God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and they, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Sound familiar? What about this text of scripture? Ephesians chapter 4 beginning with verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance of God's word results when we don't read God's word. Where does faith come? From the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. 
When we wallow in the mud long enough, the mud seems normal to us. What about this text? 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience, their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. In other words, they have no conscience feeling any longer. They have turned so far away from godliness, from faithfulness to God. Remember God's warning to Israel. Hosea 4 and verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of, the, of, of your God, I will forget your children. We need to remember. Militarily, economically, we're probably the mightiest nation on earth right now. But I would say we're moving closer and closer, farther and farther, deeper and deeper into spiritual famine in our land. More and more people are turning away from the guidance of God's word and therefore they're turning away from God. You can't turn away from God's word without turning away from God. E evil and wickedness are spreading quickly, widespread in our land. You see, historically, or rather militarily and economically, we are probably the mightiest nation on earth. But pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. And that applies not only to nations, but it applies to individual people as well. History has a long list of once mighty nations that are mighty no more. And we need not be so arrogant as Israel was in Amos's day as to think that our names, our nation could not be added to that list if we continue to walk away from God and walk away from paying heed to his word. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16 and verse 18. What about you, personally? Are you living by the teachings of God's word? Are you paying attention? Are you fashioning your life by his instruction, his guideline? The guidebook the Bible? Now, I know we're going to make mistakes here and there, but is that your basic dedication and determination as to the direction in your life? Or do you need to make some changes? Do you need to repent of sin? Do you need to confess your faith in your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be baptized into him so the blood that he shed on the cross by God's 
sacrifice and Jesus' sacrifice by God's blessing for you? Have you taken advantage of that and been baptized for the remission of your sins? Do you need to do that? Do you need to study some more so that you can understand what God's word really is saying to you and how he is directing you through his word to live your life so that you can be with him in heaven forever? Maybe you've become a Christian, but you've, you've let yourself drift away from dedication to God. You don't read his word hardly at all anymore. And your lifestyle has begun to show more and more. I'm not walking with God as faithfully, as diligently, as dedicated as I used to. Do you need prayers? Do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to study further? We encourage you. Don't fall in to that same jeopardy that we've read about so many times in the, in the scriptures this morning. If you need to come, humble yourself. Take that step and come as we stand and sing.